Well, let's go back to John chapter 15 together tonight. John chapter 15, and I want to look just to pick up at verse 12 again. We, we began with this, and I, I just want to start here in verse 12, and then I'll, I'll have several passages for you as we go through the Scriptures to see uh, how, how a thread of truth can be picked up here that goes throughout God's Word to challenge and encourage us about this commandment that Jesus gives in verse 12. Look at it with me, John 15, 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. That's not the first time that we've heard that, is it? Uh, Back a couple of chapters, you can turn back to chapter 13. And look with me at verses 34 and 35, where Jesus says in verse 34, John 13, a new commandment I give to you. Now, it wasn't necessarily a new commandment, but what he was saying was, listen, this is important, and I want you to pay attention to this, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. And then, verse 35 adds this, By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now do you uh, sit up and take notice when you come to a repeated truth in the Bible? I hope you do. Uh, When you find these kinds of things repeated by Jesus, it should get your attention and And God's commands, certainly, all of God's Word is important. Um, And if you have a Bible that has red letters in it, which uh, indicate Jesus speaking, uh, I encourage you to be careful that you don't give those more weight than the black letters, because it's all God's Word, okay? It's all God's Word. It just helps you know, hey, Jesus is actually speaking here. But but Jesus speaks through the entirety of the the book, the Bible, from beginning to end. Uh, But... God's commands are important. All of God's word is important. But when you see something repeated, it ought to get your attention. Um, It it reminds me of speaking to a child, giving instructions to a child. Say, here's what I want you to do. Go do this. And then asking, what did I say? Uh, What did I just say? And what did I just tell you to do? Uh, boy, I could, be, I could have been help, helped quite a bit as a child if I had been asked that by my, by my parents more often. What did I just tell you? And plus, it, it helps when it comes time for them to say, you didn't tell me that. I can say, no, I did tell you that because I made you repeat it back to me. Um, I, it took me a while to learn that as a parent. You know, we had some kids getting older, before, and they were, getting, they were clever about, hey, you didn't tell me that. It's like, yes, I did. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. Like, okay, from now on, I'm going to ask you to say it back to me take that argument away from you but when jesus repeats something when god's word repeats something and i hope you sit up and take take note pay attention when you see these things repeated you can count on these truths being very significant very important they are fundamental and foundational to living out what we say we believe and we must live out what we say we believe about Jesus and about his word. Uh, J.C. Ryle says of this repeated command from Christ, he would have us know, he would have us know that we can never think too highly of love 
attach too much weight to it, labor too much to practice it, truths which our master thinks it needful to enforce on us by repetition must needs be of first-class importance. So there are two things we hear frequently as we read the Bible. And things, these are things that are oft repeated. The first is about obedience. Obey God's Word. Take seriously your need for and responsibility to choose to obey God's Word. The second thing we hear often, frequently we hear this, what we see in John 13 and verse 24 and and verse 12 of chapter 15, which we just read. Love one another. You hear that often in God's Word. In fact, you may have never thought about how often God's Word instructs believers in Jesus that we are to love one another, but let me help you with that. Because it's, it's impressive how often God's Word says it. Uh, For the sake of understanding how important this is, let me give you just a few examples. Romans 12.10, and do not try to turn to all these because I'm not slowing down for you, okay? Romans 12.10, if you want the list later, let me know and I'll email it to you. How's that? Romans 12.10, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. I sure like that. You know, life can be competitive and we can get competitive with each other um, and we can kind of want to outdo it. You want to outdo somebody? Outdo them in you showing your love for them. How's that? Outdo one another in showing honor. Love one another with brotherly affection. Galatians 5.13 For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Ephesians 4.2, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Bearing with one another in love. Hebrews 10.24, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Hebrews 13.1, let brotherly love continue. In other words, uh, keep at it. Keep loving one another. Keep loving one another. 1 Peter 1.22 Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Love one another with no selfish motives. Love one another informed by God's word. Having purified your souls, it says, 1 Peter 1.22. 1 Peter 3.8, Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. 1 Peter 4.8, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. 1 John 3.11, For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. 1 John 3.23, and this is His commandment that we believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as He has commanded us. 1 John 4.7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. 
1 John 4.12, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. We're only able to love because of the love of Jesus Christ on our lives. Poured into us and it ought to flow from us. And then 2 John 1.5, and now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one you have had from the beginning, that we love one another. Get the idea? <laughs> you get the idea? This is, a, this is a teaching that is important. This is a command of Christ to love one another that is absolutely essential for the Christian life. It is absolutely essential for God's church to get right. And you hear it a lot in the Bible because it is very important, because it is essential. I think we hear it so often throughout God's Word because... We're going to need these reminders until Christ returns or calls us home. God is gracious to be a a good teacher to his students, to his children. And brothers and sisters in Christ need to hear these these reminders from God's word often because it's it's easy to forget them. It's easy to begin to, to think about how you want to be treated instead of thinking about how God wants you to treat others. So, what are the keys to learning to love one another? Well, the Bible helps us apply this teaching to our lives. It says a lot about loving one another, but it also says a lot about how to apply this truth and how to practice this truth. Note that love one another isn't the only thing we hear in the Bible that speaks to our relationship uh, with one another, our relationships to other people. The Bible says other things about our relationships. And how we tend to them, how we pay attention to them, how we care for them in a biblical, Christ-honoring and godly way. And what the Bible says, often says, it, it reminds us that it's also connected to our witness to the world. How we love one another is closely connected with our witness to the watching world. So the Bible helps us understand what, what loving one another looks like. And it does that by speaking about how we care for and tend tend to our relationships with other people. Here's here's one way the Bible speaks about how we are to love one another. When it it says this, and and I have a few passages here where it, it points to this truth, where it teaches us to be of one mind, to be of one mind, one mind with one another. Not that we all think the same things. Not that we're all little robots. God made us all different and he equipped us all differently. Thank the Lord for that. The church needs a a plurality of people who are gifted differently to carry out the work of the church. And yet, God's word tells us to be of one mind with one another. And this will help us practice Loving one another. The Bible makes clear how we're to think about ourselves and about one another. So again, let me point to a few passages that make this clear. Not as long as the previous list, so hang in there, but, um, but a few. Romans twelve sixteen says this, Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight so as it says live in harmony with one another that ought to be important to us 
That we seek to be people who live in harmony with God's people. It's like I often told my own children, and I, I think I told you when we were at the picnic together, I used that example of, of trying to help my children understand that these are your siblings, these are your brothers, this is your sister, these are the people you should be learning how to love. And if you can't learn how to love here, you're going to find it really hard to love people when you leave home. Because these are the people that should be dearest to you. Yesterday, uh, over the weekend, uh, one of my sons took a trip with his church and he got halfway there and his transmission started acting up. What What did he do? He called one of his brothers. His brothers went and got a trailer and put it on his truck and came and got his car and took him home and then helped him go find another car. That's what siblings do, right? That's what brothers and sisters in Christ ought to be doing for each other too. The way that we live in a church ought to be helping and encouraging and looking out for one another, seeking to live in harmony with one another. This is one of the ways that we work out what it looks like to love one another in Christ. What a powerful testimony to the watching world. 1 Corinthians 1.10 I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree. Agree. And that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. Let me just note here, this is one of the reasons we all need to have a Bible. The only way that we're going to agree is to be following the same truth from God's Word, to, be changed, to being changed by the truth of God's Word. We need to be changed by God's Word, and we need to be together in that. That's one of the reasons I'm so glad we gather as a church to preach the Word, and we, and we hear the same message, and we look at the same passages together as the Holy Spirit promises by the power that, that He works in us with the Word, to take that Word and use it in each of us. 1 Corinthians 5.13 And to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. And then this little phrase, be at peace among yourselves. Be at peace among yourselves. Church, be at peace with one another. Learn how to agree. Learn how to fight division. How to resist division. Satan would love nothing more for us than, than to have us all going different ways. Refusing to, to unite and be of the same mind. First Peter three eight. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. So it's obvious God makes our loving one another and our unity of primary importance. This is another reason why we're to make the Word of God our standard of conduct as believers and as a church. Again, it's why we need the Word to guide us, to teach us, to instruct us. The Bible shows us the mind of God, the mind of Christ. We can know the mind of the one true God, the creator of the universe, if we will open our Bibles and read it. The Bible shows us the mind of God on these matters about how we should pay attention to these things. How does God want us to pay attention to our relationships? The Bible tells us. How are we to, re- we to relate to one another? The Bible shows us. How are we to glorify God in our relationships? The Bible tells us. 
And the Bible helps, shapes our think, helps shape our thinking on these matters. And, and we need to have our thinking changed and shaped by the powerful Word of God. Because Satan is working all around us to have us think about these things in ways that displease and dishonor God and go directly in the opposite direction of the truth of God's Word. So the more we each shape our lives with the Word of God, learning to be of one mind together, the more unified we will be as a church and the more powerful our testimony will be to the watching world. The more powerful our witness will be. How else does the Bible talk about our relationships? Well, the Bible talks about bearing with and serving one another. Bearing with and serving one another. Uh, 1 Corinthians 11 and 33, we hear this. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. Wait for one another. Bear with and serve one another. Wait for one another. Don't be in such a hurry to serve yourself. Wait for your brothers and sisters in Christ. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 25 That says that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Galatians 5 and verse 13, For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. We're to be bearing with and serving one another. Ephesians 4.2 With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. And the idea there in Ephesians 4.2, which I just read, it says, bearing with, bearing with one another, it's literally to hold up. To hold up your brothers and sisters in Christ. To hold one another up in love. It also conveys the idea of to endure, uh, to bear with, to put up with. Not that, not that you're to, like to put up with, it, with the attitude. You know, sometimes you say, oh, pff, yeah, sure, I'll put up with him. No, but to, to bear with one another and to lift up one another and to hold one another up and to be patient with one another. The idea is patience in all things. What we also see in that passage are four qualities that are needed to bear with or hold up one another. Did you see them? Humility, gentleness, patience, love. You probably didn't turn there. Ephesians 4.2, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. We need humility. We need gentleness, patience, and love. Those are characteristics of our love for Christ played out in our relationships with other believers. Humility, gentleness, patience, and love. But just as we noted this morning, our our natural tendency is to do the opposite, isn't it? Our natural tendency is to be, oh, we can easily be provoked by others, right? Kind of rubbed the wrong way, especially when other people don't share our ideas or share our convictions. And when we cling to our desires rather than the well-being of others in the body of Christ, when we cling to our way or the highway rather than honoring Christ, we can end up 
being in danger of hurting others instead of helping others, instead of loving one another in obedience to God's Word. So the Bible, again, it repeatedly reminds us, it gives us reminder upon reminder of of how instead of getting provoked, we're to, as Paul writes in Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as Christ forgave you, as, as God in Christ forgave you. Tenderhearted, kind to one another, forgiving one another, following the example of the Lord Jesus Christ toward our own lives. How patient Jesus has been with us. And how we need to learn to be patient and kind and tender-hearted and forgiving toward one another. A fellow by the name of Ken Sandy wrote a book uh, called The Peacemaker. It's a book I highly recommend. It's not a small book, it's a, but it's a good one and it's worth your time. The Peacemaker. It's all about making peace with, with your brothers and sisters in Christ and with the world around you to, as you long to share the gospel with the world. One of the things that he says in that book is very important is that we learn how to, and we need to learn how to do this, learn how to overlook an offense. Learn how to overlook an offense. It's not that you're going to say, I wasn't offended. Sometimes you're offended. Sometimes your feelings are hurt. Or maybe I can just speak for myself. Sometimes I'm offended. Sometimes my feelings are hurt. And I need, I think we all need to learn, to learn to overlook an offense that we will say, I refuse to hold that against that person. Even though I was hurt, even though I was offended, what they said or what they did, I, it, it made me cringe, it made me hurt. I'm going to refuse to hold that against them. I'm going to love them like Jesus loves me, like he overlooks my offenses. Sent Jesus to the cross as God loves me in Christ. Being kind, being tender-hearted. it means doing whatever is beneficial and meets the needs of others for God's glory. It's not that you're going to go about serving people, doing things for them that would not glorify God, that would not be good for them, but you're going to honor others and show kindness and tenderhearted kindness to them in a way that's beneficial for them for God's glory. And forgiving one another, it's, it's showing grace. Being willing to show grace to others. Showing others the kind of grace that Christ has shown you. Being willing to overlook an offense. To say, you know what? I'm not even going to say anything about that. I'm just going to refuse to hold it against them. You may not be able to forget it quickly, but you're going to say, I'm going to refuse to hold it against them. So we need to be of one mind with one another. To be properly loving one another. And we need to bear with and serve one another to be properly loving one another. And then thirdly, note also that the Bible teaches us to encourage one another. Encourage one another. Here's what 1 Thessalonians 4.18 says, Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Think about the word of truth that you have in your hands if you hold the Bible in your hands. And as we encourage one another with the truth of God's word, We build one another up in love. That's by God's design. Encourage one another with these words. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. 
May we always be doing this, but let's not stop doing this. That's a good, a good thing to have a reminder, to keep doing what you're doing. If you're honoring God, don't stop. Keep honoring God. Keep loving one another. Keep caring for the needs of one another. Keep encouraging one another. Hebrews 3 and verse 13, But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Oh, that none of us would be captured by sin's affections, by the affections of, uh, by our affections to, to go out and sin, by the, the temptations that Satan puts before us to, to be caught up in the deceitfulness of sin. One of the ways that we can do that is to encourage each other with the truth of God's Word, encourage each other in our walk with Christ, Let me just say that one of the ways you do this might be the easiest way. Maybe you think it's not the easiest way. But simply being here on Sunday is an encouragement to your brothers and sisters in Christ. Do you realize that? Walking through the front door of the church is an encouragement to your brothers and sisters in Christ. That's one powerful way to encourage one another. It's not the only way, but I think sometimes it's the easiest way. Sometimes it can be the hardest one when you don't want to go and you say, I just don't want to go today. Maybe you need to go so that you will be encouraged. Because as you walk through the doors of, you, of the church, you will see your brothers and sisters in Christ who are there. Their physical presence will encourage you. And I, um, I've experienced it uh, before I was a pastor and I had the, the liberty to not go to church if I didn't want to. Like, now I have to be here. This is why God made me a pastor, because he knew I needed to be in church every Sunday. And I don't have a choice. I have to be here. I also get to be here. But there was a time when I didn't have to be in church. I could make that decision on my own because I was an adult making my own decisions. And those were some difficult days for me when I would choose not to go to church. But when I said, I'm going, no matter what I feel like, I was always very glad I went. Always very grateful. Always very encouraged by having been in God's house with God's people. Let us consider, says Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25, let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. All the more we need to be together in this day in which we live. As each day we draw closer to the Lord's return and each day we draw closer to that possibility that he calls us home before he returns We need to be with God's people. We need to be encouraging each other. When Paul wrote his first letter to the Thessalonian church, they were facing some severe trials, some severe persecution. And and did you see what he told them? It's interesting what he tells them. What what did he tell them? Paul tells them uh, that, that not only that they not only had the ability, but also the responsibility to encourage each other. Uh, They needed one another as they faced strong persecution, as they faced strong difficulty. Um, I think in this day, we, we, the church, need each other to encourage one another 
as we live in a culture that is so anti-biblical, anti-God, anti-truth, I don't think we can safely say that we live in a Christian nation anymore. It breaks our hearts, doesn't it? We don't, we know, there was a time when we said, oh, we're a Christian nation. Well, you know, we can argue about that maybe, but I don't think that we can even argue about it now because we're so anti-Christian, anti-God, anti-truth that it can feel oppressive. So I think that more and more, as the Word says, as the day is drawing near, as the day draws near, we're going to need each other more and more. Encourage one another. So the church is to seek unity and not allow itself to be divided by anything. And one of the ways we combat that is to, buy, is to, is to encourage one another. It's by encouraging each other. So Jesus gives the command to love one another. And the Bible then shows us repeated reminders. And we need those reminders about how that bears out, what that looks like in our lives and in God's church. And he gives us the keys to practicing that love for one another by showing us how we are to be of one mind with one another, how we're to bear with and serve one another, and how we're to encourage one another. And those are really the disciplines of love for every Christian to practice. Every believer in Jesus Christ ought to be seeking to practice these disciplines of love. Uh, we each should be involved in the process of loving and building one another up in Christ. We ought to long for that. Uh, sometimes it's easy to get, to, to get so that you think about being in church a little differently. You think about, what can I get out of church today? And, and sometimes I understand that. You're, you, need, you need to be refreshed. You need to be taught and encouraged. But you don't think about how can my presence with God's people today be an encouragement to my brothers and sisters in Christ? How can I say things that would build up my brothers and sisters in Christ? Sometimes it's hard to think of that. It's hard to think not of yourself first. It may not feel that way at times that, that we're there to build one another up in Christ. But again, that's why I go back to and argue sometimes the easiest way that you encourage one another is by walking through those doors in the church, coming into the fellowship of the church on the Lord's Day. Well, God primarily for His glory wants us to do this. For His glory, He wants us to love one another. He wants us to uh, be of one mind with one another. For His glory, He wants us to bear with and serve one another. For His glory, He is glorious, but He, he deserves to be glorified as we encourage one another and build one another up as we love one another. So, as we seek to love one another, let's never lose sight of the love of Christ for us. Again and again, along with all those reminders that we get to love one another, it's as Christ has loved you, with the example of Jesus Christ before your eyes. So, as we seek to love one another, remember Christ. Remember His sacrifice for you. Undeserving of His love as we are, we are still accepted by Christ, praise God. He has been so patient with us, so loving, so gracious, so generous with His love. We ought to quickly long to follow the example of the Lord Jesus Christ as we learn to love one another. Jerry Bridges writes this, I think I've said it before, but if you find a Jerry Bridges book, just read it. I don't care which one. Um, there's a bunch. 
Jerry Bridges is good, a Bible teacher, really wonderful Bible teacher, but he says this really short quote here. We can begin each day with a deeply encouraging realization, I'm accepted by God, not on the basis of my personal performance, but on the basis of the infinitely perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. Hear it again. We can begin each day with a deeply encouraging realization, I'm accepted by God, not on the basis of my personal performance, but on the basis of the infinitely perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. There are going to be days when you don't get this right, when you don't love like you should. But you are accepted by God. If you're in Christ, you're accepted by God because of Jesus Christ and because of His righteousness. And that's something to live up to, isn't it? That's something to long to live up to for God's glory. So may the love of Christ teach us. May the love of Christ guide us. May the love of Christ encourage us and give us hope that we can learn how to love one another as Jesus gives us this command. And do it for God's glory. Do it as we point the world around us to our Savior.